You're listening to Comedy Central. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Please welcome Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar. Welcome to the show, Senator. Well, thank you. It is great to be on. Uh, may I just say, you have one of the most impressive resumes I have ever come across in my life. And not, not the work that you've done before you got into the Senate, which is extremely impressive, but the fact that you have passed so much legislation. You are you're like a home run hitter when it comes to legislation. In a town where they say nothing gets done, how do you get it done? Well, the first part of this is believing in that you're there for a reason. The second is to find people and meet them where they are. Find that common ground, and not just common ground, but higher ground, whether it's taking on opioids, human trafficking. Right. And then the last thing is, memo to the White House, be civil to the people. <laughs> like, big surprise. Right. Just being nice. Done. It works. Uh, well, it, it really has uh, served you well. I mean, you, you have been ranked as first on a list of all 100 senators with the most bills that have been enacted into law uh, during the current Congress, which is amazing. Uh, do you walk around the halls with a bit of like, yeah, that's me, that's me? I think it's a good time in politics to be humble. Right. Uh, and... <laughs> Very nicely said. Exactly. Very nicely said. Thank you. To also understand that, yes, we passed some bills, uh, and there are people on both sides of the aisle that want to work together and uh-huh. find compromise, but the people of this country are facing major, major issues. Right. Uh, it is really getting hard for them to get by, whether it's, you know, paying for cable, uh-huh. paying for prescription drugs, and that's what you got to remember. Well, because... let's, let's, let's talk about the paying for prescription drugs, because that's, that's something that's close to your heart. Uh, your daughter is a user of the EpiPen, correct? She's somewhere out there. Some, like in the, I, in the audience or in yeah, life? Yeah, that's why I liked when you were saying how great I was, because, you know... She oh, she's here. Oh, because yeah, when you said she's somewhere out there, I was yeah. like, oh, I, I think we've lost her. Yeah, that was very cool. But, um... <laughs> your... So, your daughter is a user of the EpiPen. Yes. And this was one of those stories in the U.S. that became big because the price of American drugs has been skyrocketing. Uh, critics have said it needs to come down, but then the critics on the other side have gone, yeah, but you can't bring it down because that'll stifle innovation. Is that true? 
I don't believe so because I think the better question is why in the United States of America, of any developed nation in the world, do our drugs cost the most? Right. That is wrong. Uh, four of the top 10 best-selling drugs in America have gone up over 100% in their price over the last few years. So it's not just EpiPen. Uh, it is everything from insulin on down. Uh -huh. So what we need here uh, is, first of all, to say to the big pharmaceutical companies, you can't own Washington, D.C. Right. Because that's what's been happening. The if second you, thing... If, before you go to the second thing, if you, if you go back to the first thing, uh, for some people, they would say the price of drugs in America is not just determined by the, the pharmaceutical companies, but also the fact that they are the developers of the drug. So many countries in the world get to create a generic version of that. How true does that ring to you? Uh, well, they have developed drugs. They should be paid for that, but they're being more than paid for that. I they understand. basically have a monopoly. And so what you do is you guarantee that there's some competition, uh, and the opposite has been happening. So, one, we should be able to bring in less expensive drugs from safe places like Canada. Right. Uh, in Minnesota, we can see Canada from our porch, <laughs> uh, and we see those... Less expensive prices right across the border. So Senator McCain and I came together and introduced oh, wow. a bill to allow us to buy those drugs. Secondly, big pharmaceutical companies are paying off generic companies to actually keep their products off the market. We could save $3 billion over 10 years, according to the Congressional Budget Office. Who has that bill? Senator Grassley and myself, again, a Republican. These bills should come for a vote before the Senate. And why don't we unleash the bargaining power of 41 million American seniors? They're kind of a tough crowd. They like to oh, get we bargains. Know. Oh, okay. we know. Okay, so why don't we let them negotiate for right. less prices and lift the ban on allowing them to negotiate under Medicare? It's just wrong. The... Um the other piece of legislation you're working on that's uh, really interesting to myself and I guess many people is uh, voter rights. We've seen, especially under the Trump administration with Jeff Sessions, that there seems to be a concerted effort to try and stifle voter rights in America. It's a worrying trend. It seems like one of the most pressing problems that America will face within its democracy. Looking at that, you have come up with a few interesting ideas. How do you think America goes about fixing the problem of voter suppression? Well, you have to look at the problem first. We hear a lot about Russia and that it's a serious thing, but there's not just a problem from outside of someone trying to influence our election, it's in the inside. Right. Uh, you have three-hour waits in Arizona in the last primary to vote, 100 miles for people to drive to a polling place in some of our states. Uh, one of the more conservative circuit courts saying that North Carolina had discriminated with surgical precision. Those are their words, right. not mine. And so what do you do? Well, why don't we just let given that they are literally afraid of people voting, why don't we just let every 18-year-old who is eligible to vote automatically register them? Why don't we do that? They are, if they have... Why, then, why, then they can why just go to vote where they are. Why, why don't we do that? <laughs> no, that's, that's a great question. Why don't? Is there a rule? There are, like, why there are don't a bunch of people that are afraid of people voting. 
And I am not afraid of people voting. And by the way, in my state, we have the highest voter turnout we have in the country in the last election. And we haven't just voted for Democrats. Uh, we have voted for Republicans. Uh, and we have voted for a lot of independents. If you don't believe me, I have three words for you. Governor Jesse Ventura. All right? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I just think that you should unleash the power of America. This is a race issue, of course. This is an income issue. Right. But more than anything, it's a civil liberty issue. Our democracy is founded on this simple idea that people should have the freedom to vote. How hard would it be to implement, though? How do you... It sounds like a great idea. Everyone who turns 18 is eligible to vote. How do you implement it, and how do you make sure that people who turn 18 who are not supposed to be registered to vote don't get registered? Right, exactly. Well, first of all, um, if we're living at a time where Target, my hometown company, can find a pair of shoes in Hawaii with a SKU number, right. we should be able to figure out who's eligible to vote. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Oregon has just done this. Their governor out there, Kate Brown, um, gets this signed into law. And so what you do is when people apply for their driver's license, you automatically register them. Uh, when they get their, with their social security number, then when they turn 18, of course you make sure that they're legal citizens. Right. You make sure that if you're in a state uh, where there's, uh, you can't, if you are in a state where you can't vote when you're on, when you've been convicted of a felony uh -huh. and you're still on probation, you make sure that they aren't able to vote at that Which moment. Which is another rule you, that should change when you look at yes, America but as a whole. There's many things that should change. But right. the point is, is that we uh, have to make it easier for people to vote, not harder. That is what this democracy, and if you right. want to bring those prices of prescription drugs down, you have to make it easier for people to vote. Wow. Um, it's all let's, connected. Let's talk about things that are connected. You're looking at voting, you're looking at a lot of state races that are coming up. Uh, your seat is up in 2018, right? And you're going to be uh, running again. A lot of people seem to be worried that the Democrats don't have a plan. The Democrats may not have their identity in check. Uh, you, you're in Minnesota. I think Hillary only won by a point and a half. It was closer than many people would have liked. And 19 of the counties that voted for Obama flipped over to Donald Trump. Looking at that, looking at the voters who flipped sides, what do you think the Democrats need to do? What message do they need to give to win back voters and to get the people who didn't bother to vote at all? We should leave no one behind. And I think a lot of people felt left behind. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the policies we were putting out. Some of it was that, but some of it was the fact that there wasn't enough focus on the economy and what mattered to people in their daily lives. Right. Uh, and we can't leave the middle of the country behind, right? My husband's a third of six boys, and maybe one time he got lost and left at a gas station and no one noticed. <laughs> <laughs> we can't leave anyone behind at the right. gas station. Um, and so uh, uh, this means uh, for me, I visit all 87 of Minnesota counties every single year. Wow. I have gone to, in some of the counties, I have practically met everyone. I've gone to every cafe, every business. Uh, at one point, my staff had me go to a business called Insect Inferno, uh, where I got into a truck with a big sign on the side that said, we can kill bed bugs with heat. Um, and so my message to you there, I know, you're welcome to visit. No, my, my message there is someone once said this, you don't just go where it's comfortable, you go where it's uncomfortable. Right. And that's why you see in this 2018 election, strong, incredible uh, candidates on, on the Democratic side here, like Heidi Heitkamp, Tammy Baldwin of uh -huh. Wisconsin, Claire McCaskill of Missouri, Joe Donnelly, they are, Debbie Stabenow, those Midwestern senators, uh, they are leaving no stone unturned, and they're reaching out to people in their state, even if they don't agree with them. Now, That's what you have to do. Let's talk about not leaving people behind. 
let's talk about not leaving people behind. Let's talk about the idea of making sure that everyone feels like they're part of a conversation. Recently, the Democrats have started to notice uh, a rift in the party in that some Democrats are saying it's time to have Democrats running for office even if they may not agree with all the Democratic principles such as pro-choice or certain taxes or just ideas that are commonly associated with being a Democrat. Other people like Elizabeth Warren have come out and said, no, if you are not going to be pro-life, I mean, if you're not going to be pro-choice, then the Democratic Party is not for you. How do you see the Democrats navigating that quagmire? Well, we have a clear platform, um, and that is that we are, uh, we believe that a woman has a right to choose her own destiny. Right. Uh, we are pro-choice. Uh, but I know in my state, honestly, there are people uh, that vote for me or vote Democratic that don't agree with that. But uh-huh. they yet they agree with us that you should be able to afford college, right? right? Uh, they agree that uh, you should be smart um, about how you um, uh, move forward when it comes to foreign policy. Um, they didn't like that we got into the war in Iraq. I would have people come up to me and say, look, I'm pro-life. I don't agree with you on that. Uh, but I do agree with you that we need to get out of the war in Iraq. Right. Okay? So I don't believe those people should left be, be behind. Uh-huh. And while I believe in the platform of our party strongly, I believe that uh, one of the dumbest things we could do is defund Planned Parenthood, when yes. that's where a great majority of women in this country uh, get their health care. Um, and as far as our party, and Elizabeth and I uh, served together in leadership, I was proud of our party when we took that health care vote, that in the president's own words on this mean bill that would have kicked 20 million people off of health insurance, our party, from Joe Manchin to Bernie Sanders, stood together from the beginning to the end, and that is why three courageous Republicans joined us. And if we had not stood together, that would not have happened. That's what happened. I'm excited to see uh, how the race pans out. I'm excited to have you okay. on as a guest. It was great to be Thank you. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously. And that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.